is Tony Thompson. At Therapy Ed, I serve as a senior instructor and content contributor. Since 1996, I have taught over 300 exam review courses for occupational therapy assistant and occupational therapist exam candidates. And this is Dr. Robin Axelrod. On my drive to work one morning, I thought, how could I promote unity between OT and OTA students? How could I foster communication and leadership skills and promote our amazing profession? Welcome to my OT Journey podcast. Welcome to my OT Journey podcast. Today's podcast is sponsored by Therapy Ed. And I want to welcome to the podcast Dr. Tony Thompson, who's a doctor at Therapy Ed. Welcome, Tony. Hello there. How are you? Good. And this week, our topic is getting started. So, Tony, can we start by just, you know, having you explain to us your OT journey and, you know, where you started from and where you got to today? Well, my background includes occupational therapy work at the National Cerebral Palsy Center in Caracas, Venezuela. I was also in the Peace Corps in Ecuador and worked in adult mental health in Florida and Illinois with clients from multiple cultures. I had the opportunity for 22 years to work with children and families from the U.S. and all over Latin America at Shriners Hospital for Children in Tampa. I then completed my doctorate in occupational therapy, and it was focused on human trafficking and the role of OT in this area. So with all of these experiences, this really offered me the opportunity to publish about 40 articles, write three chapters um, on, in OT texts about culture, and to present at various national, state, and international venues. And right now, what I do is, in addition to my work with therapy ed, I volunteer with anti-human trafficking efforts, and I volunteer on several local and international projects. Wow, that is definitely a different um, variety of areas of practice and, you know, really global um, influence that you've had, and I want to thank you for that. How did you come to join Therapy Ed after having that background? Well, in 1996, when I was at Shriners, Therapy Ed approached Sue Robertson from the National Institutes of Health and me to develop an OT course. They have had, they've had success for 10 years with PT and PT assistant courses. And so Sue and I started off developing this course, and we now have 15 dynamic OT instructors. They're all accomplished in their OT specialties. They're all great instructors, content contributors, and they are exam prep tutors that we really know best how to use and, and help other people use the therapy ed resources. That sounds really great and a great opportunity for you. And for those that don't know about therapy ed, maybe you could just explain to us what the mission and the vision of therapy ed is. Okay. Um, our mission is to facilitate exam candidates to be able to hone and tailor their knowledge and test-taking skills for maximum success on that that therapy exam through our constantly updated resources. Our vision is to provide the highest quality, most efficient exam preparation path for all future OT practitioners. And we really stress our values are integrity, veracity, and energy conservation of all exam candidates in the exam preparation. 
So it sounds like you're pretty dedicated to students and student success in terms of exam prep. What type of services does Therapy Ed offer for students? Uh, well, you're right, Robin. We are very dedicated. What we offer are live on-site courses, online courses. We have a review and study guide for OTA candidates and a review and study guide for OT candidates, videos, short practice exam, a weekly open chat with an instructor called online office hours, personalized tutoring, and an assessment exam that faculty can use with their group of students. Our, our courses for the OT can, OTA candidates are one day, and for the OT candidates, they're two days. And um, they're offered at some colleges, I'm understanding. What about if a college is not offering that course? Are you able to take it on your own as an independent student? Um, yes, you can. We do have agreements with over 125 different schools. And we often have students that will take our close, closer, closer to their home or their field work, excuse me, field work site. Some people will be on vacation or visiting and they wanna, uh, may want to take the exam there. But you do not have to take it at, the, um, at the, the home school. Many of our classes will have um, five, ten candidates from another school. Oh, wow. Okay, so that seems really easily accessible and a great option for those that are not able to take it um, in their home school. What about registering? Is it difficult to register? What's the process of registering for these courses? Well, at our website, www.therapyed.com, there are very easy links to follow for an OTA candidate or an OT candidate to go on and look to offer information on the course dates the locations, the times, and other details, and of course, the payment and registration options. And you mentioned about open office hours. Can you explain what that entails and how you would register for that? Um, online office hours occurs every Tuesday at 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Central Time, and then you can also, it's it's the same time zone. Uh, this is open. Anyone can go to the website either at the OT or the OTA section, go to the drop-down box and access online office hours. You can go in and ask any question of a very experienced instructor and we rotate the instructors. And you can ask anything about any of our test questions, anything in our book, any general information about exams. Every time we do it, the questions are very different. And if you don't have a question, you're welcome to come in and listen to what other people are saying, which might encourage you to get a question. But there's always some aspect that we're exploring about helping people to prepare for the exam. Well, that sounds like a great resource, and I really advise students to take advantage of that and to you know, look into it and definitely to call in. Um, so students are... You know, anxious about their, their exam. I mean, from day one of entering the program, even before they apply to a program, they're thinking about the exam. And today we're focusing on getting started. What is the first step to starting exam prep? How do you start? Students are anxious about even thinking about starting. And Dr. Thompson, what would you tell them, you know, what advice would you give them about the first step to exam prep? Where do they start? Okay. okay. When I ask students, and I've been doing this for a long time, when I ask students, what they're going to study, 
everyone always, and I mean always, says everything. And I want to get more information and have this and get more of this and use more of this. But the first step is really a basic foundation. Exam prep is really just like any of the big projects you had in school. It's like planning a big party, planning your wedding, planning a building a house. The projects always seem very overwhelming, but you know once you start breaking them down, you break them down and it gets a lot more simplified. So I always like to say exam preparation over studying because there are many more components to taking the exam beyond just reviewing and studying content. So let's take a look here at a couple of things about exam prep. Okay, our systematic approach applies the OT principles. We know what they are. We break down something big into smaller steps. And we want to do this based on each person's unique strengths and weaknesses. So this base, and there's a lot of things that go into different aspects of strengths and weaknesses, but this base, combined with practicing exam questions, has provided success for thousands of exam candidates. The, really, the question is, how do you do that and how do you do it in an energy efficient and a time efficient and money efficient manner? So we offer effective exam resources. We have our review and study guide, a course manual that comes with our courses. We have online courses. We have live courses. We have the free online weekly chat, online office hours. And we provide individual tutoring for a fee for people who feel they need it. People, exam candidates really want more and more resources. And the key is to make the best use of time and money. And to do that is to use your resources to the fullest. Really find ways to get as much as you can out of every re resource. More is not always better. You know, I think that's great advice um, because students want to get into everything. They want to study questions. They want to go to the textbooks. They want to speak to professors and tutors. And it's just there's so much that they could do, but if they really think about the smartest way to go about it, it seems like Therapy Ed has a really good hands-on approach to helping them with that. And for me, it's fascinating because students are really at a point where they need so much support, they need so much help, but they're not really sure where to get that and where to get the right help. And I, I feel like this is a really great approach to getting the help that they need in a customized manner, in an intimate manner. and. Um, can you explain to us, you know, the course manual, and I, I looked at it, I mean, it, it's really comprehensive and really thought, um, thought out well. And also the review book, how would one use the course manual and the review book to help them in the study process? Well, the Therapy Ed course manual is the rock, and it's the foundational tool of exam prep. This comes when you take an online or a live course. Now, if you look at this, it's a very thin manual very little. It really highlights the main areas that are likely to be covered in the exam, and it has a, sum a summary of test-taking strategies for answering questions. It really defines and gives examples of critical reasoning, clinical reasoning, sums up psychological preparation, and really gives the latest information on exam format. Uh, the format of the course manual is really like a workbook. There's, there's places in there with blank spaces and some graphs and some self-assessments. It's a basic way for each person to rank their knowledge in each content area, which relate to, which are more extensively gone over in our review and study guide. 
And all the information in the course manual, each chapter relates to a specific chapter in the review and study guide. But the course manual is really a condensed central format to prioritize what to study and how to move those topics from this is something I need to study. Okay, I study it. I pretty much know it. Now I want to review it. So I move it from a study category to a review category. We have weekly study plans that you can fill in to complete in your own unique way. Now, what I really like about the course manual is it's a way to provide each exam candidate a record of what they have studied, where they improved, and what they still need to do in a time frame. You know, when you study, it's really hard to quantify what you've done. I used to kind of say, well, what do you do? Do you take your brain out, you weigh it, then you study, then you weigh it again to see if you gained any information. How do you really get a quantified or concrete measure of what you study? So when you're getting frustrated and you feel like, I, I don't know what I've studied, it's very easy to leaf through the course manual and you start to see, oh yeah, I know I've studied this, I've scratched out this, I've achieved this, I have planned for the next week what I'm going to study. And it really is a way to say, I've done something. It makes it very concrete. Okay. Now, the review and study guide looks really big. It's really look, it really looks huge, and people get overwhelmed. But what you have to do is go to the middle of the book and realize, don't look at the last half. Just separate it out. The last half is simply the answers to three online practice tests, which show that there are a lot of answers and they're explained very well. So if you look at it, it's a half of that book, and it gives you condensed yet complete information on the knowledge scope of the exam. They're organized chapters. It's written in a bullet format, so you get the main information. And we have added in boxes to highlight certain red flag areas, meaning you really need to be careful about these. Caution, which is uh, something to be aware of, and exam hints, something that would really likely to be come up in the exam. Okay? And so we, all, we also, in addition to this, we have those online office hours accessed through Therapy Ed, through the drop-down boxes. And if you really want extra help and have special needs for test-taking, special difficulties, specific challenges, or if someone can just not figure out what they need to work on, we have individual, individualized tutoring for a fee that's on demand. We can do that almost any time. We can do that on a Zoom session. We can do that on a phone call, FaceTime. We have a lot of different formats for that. Wow, that is so convenient and such an important assist for students. I know students get overwhelmed, and this really breaks it down for them you know, into small, specific areas of need um, for their exam prep. So, I thank you for doing this for students. I think it's amazing. Um, and, you know, is there one method for studying? Are there several methods for studying? Is each student different in their method? Or, you know, what, what is your experience with that? Well, you can have people that took the same program in school, that even did the same field work, and you will find that exam preparation is extremely individual. Each person has their own strengths and weaknesses in the content that they know and understand, in their test-taking skills, and in their critical reasoning styles. So the format of the course manual offers each person a method to tailor their exam preparation. And it's very easy to kind of compare with uh, one another. Gee, they do this better, maybe, you know, something like that. 
But the whole thing is to remember that everybody has strengths and weaknesses, and you really need to look at it individually. And you had mentioned before that exam prep is more than content knowledge. Can you explain what that means? Um, exam, exam candidates often just keep studying knowledge without addressing really why they missed the exam question. I got a question wrong on a CVA, so I guess I need to just study CVA. <clears throat> a main challenge in all multiple choice exams since the beginning of time is selecting the one best answer of two choices. And this is a universal dilemma that we address interactively in our courses, and we give some basic information on that in the review and study guide. We go way beyond these myths of go with your gut feeling and never change your answer with strategies targeted to each test taker. Excuse me. Okay. <clears throat> um, in the old days, and when we started to say go with your gut feeling and never change your answer, tests were very rudimentary. Now exams are very sophisticated and they tend to tap experiences that we don't just go with our gut feeling but that we need to think about. So we really address that. <clears throat> Another thing that's really important is we are the only people in the industry to offer critical reasoning component and feedback in all of our exam practice questions. So every practice question, just like every exam question, caps one of the five types of critical reasoning. So we identify this in each practice question in our review and study guide and in our practice test. So the results of each practice test will give you critical reasoning skill level as well as your skill level in very specific content areas. So some exam candidates know the material but have trouble with the way the question asks for the information. So we offer suggestions in the course manual and review and study guides. Candidates can also bring this topic up in online office hours. And this is an area when somebody goes, I really don't know why I keep getting these questions wrong. This is an area where I have tutored tutor students many, many times over the years and with lots of success. We also explore the test-taking skills like reading pace and style. Some people read too fast, others go too slow, others read the questions over and over and over, and still other people in their preparation procrastinate. So we look at methods to improve all these skills. Okay. Doesn't, doesn't that make sense? spend time identifying my weakness and improving it. It's like, it's kind of like cooking my favorite dish. I can spend all my time shopping and chopping and mixing and organizing. If I overlook a key fundamental component, like turning on the stove, I can do all the preparation, but I don't achieve my goal. Wow. So sometimes it's one of these simple components, okay? The way I'm answering multiple choice questions, the way I'm reading, my critical reasoning, miss one key component like that, and you're not going to achieve the goal. Right. I, th I think what you're saying is really fascinating. And I think students get overwhelmed, and then they feel failure when they do poorly on exam questions. And this really keys in on what their issues, <coughs> deficits are, what their strengths are, and how they can really succeed in taking that exam. So I think that's a real comfort to them, because this can really clearly plot out what they're missing and what they need to work on. So I, I think that's a, a really um, a great thing that you do. Should every student study the same amount of time, or is there a specific amount of time that you recommend for studying for the exam? Well, 
Um, we usually recommend what we found to have been successful is four to six weeks after taking the exam prep course. But some students take the course six months before actually taking the exam. Some schools plan it before they go off on their different field work. Some schools have students coming from across the country. So if you're going to take it more than, uh, more than six weeks, take the course six, more than six weeks. If you're going to take the exam more than six weeks, excuse me, if you're going to take the course more than six weeks before the exam, I think it's really important to study consistently, even a couple or a few hours a week to reinforce the exam mindset. We have people that have some different types of responsibilities. Some work full-time, some work part-time, some have family responsibilities. Um, medical conditions, varying time schedules. So that also contributes. Uh, and would you say studying many hours a day is better, or would you say studying a few hours per day is better? What's your experience in terms of hours per day? Uh, the most important consideration is to try to study as much as possible in four-hour blocks. And this is important because then you want to know what it's like when you're sitting in that exam for four hours. Now, if you, don't, if you can't do that very often because of these responsibilities or work schedule or health conditions or taking care of parents or children, um, you can still study, but really try to get some period of time where you have the four-hour block where you can sit there and go, I know that I'm doing really well for about three hours, and I start to fade. And we're going to talk about um, some um, things that people can do to keep alert and keep focused during that end of that session. Mm -hmm. Sometimes shorter study periods are helpful for more challenging topics. If something is very draining, very difficult, you might want to break it into a smaller study period. Um, other considerations are taking time to enjoy life. I find several people that don't want to get prepared at all. They're procrastinating, but I also find people who tell me they've been studying 60, 70 hours a week for weeks on end, and I say, you need to have fun and have right. cerebral rest and life balance. Yeah. Uh, amazingly, the number one cause of fatigue in the United States is dehydration. So just drinking water, good nutrition, physical activity, also facilitate learning. And I have many people that say they will drink two cups of coffee before going into the exam, but they won't drink water because they fear they're going to have to go to the bathroom. And coffee is actually a diuretic and makes you go to the bathroom more, and it actually dehydrates you. So I really suggest getting to drink water. But in terms of hours a day and how much time, it's going to be very individualized, what works for people. Just really try to consider trying to get in some four-hour blocks. Okay. And students want to be ready. They, they always use that term, you know, <clears throat> ready to take the exam. What does ready mean? Like, how will they know when they're ready? Well, um, we need to first realize that we are never going to know everything. If I had to wait until I knew everything to take the exam, I would still be waiting. Okay? <laughs> So I just kind of look at it as some people say they get to the point where they go, I have done everything I can do. I, the more I go on, I'm just not getting any more in my brains. I'm not getting any better. It's not helping me more. They can say, I've done enough. 
Other people feel they go, I just can't do this anymore. I've had enough. So I like to say you've either go, I've done enough or I've had enough. And you need to be aware of how you feel with that. And you get be very mindful to get in touch with this awareness as you proceed through the exam preparation plan. But you should get a feeling to where you go, okay, I got to go do this. I just got to go do it. Right. Okay. And, you know, like I said before, testing is, you know, definitely full of anxiety. Many students have anxiety, um, you know, really block their ability to do well on tests and impact their performance on tests. And what would you say to someone? How would you advise them if, you know, they become anxious with test taking or with studying for tests, for the test? Well, well, first of all, I think that everybody is going to be apprehensive and wound up because this is a big deal. Okay? Right. But I really like to say that you're wound up, you're apprehensive, you're a little nervous, edgy. Mm -hmm. I don't really like to use anxiety or test anxiety because that is a true diagnosis and it really conveys this horribly invasive, overwhelming concept. So right. I really like to say we're apprehensive or nervous or concerned. Mm -hmm. So I think we all need to develop the skills that we stay focused enough, but we don't get jittery, and we remain, remain relaxed enough, but we don't fall asleep. So kind of an attention balance. Okay? We have already learned so many techniques we use them with our clients, and we should use them on ourselves. And we know these techniques. We need to practice them for the exam prep process and during the exam. And while we're doing a four-hour study period, it's real important to be practicing these so when we go into the exam, it, they really, really work. And some of these things that we do are deep breathing, isometric. We can do active range of wrists, shoulders, ankles visualization, just closing my eyes for a second and refocusing. And I cannot stress the, enough the importance of positive self-talk. Um, a lot of people have told me that they, they are not used to sitting for four hours and they find that they can fidget in their seat. And that's been helpful. You can do anything in that room while you're taking the exam that does not distract your neighbor, visually or auditorily. Okay? But find out what works for you. We hear a lot of the value of, we throw out these words, oh, we should do meditation and yoga and Tai Chi and all these other last, you know, the, the latest scoop and the hot things that are going on. There are many, many variations of these techniques. Not all these things work for everyone. Not all types of yoga work when some types do. So you want to practice what to work for you. And you want to find out what works for you at the beginning of your study session and what works for you after you've been working for a while. You may have to kind of change it up. And you want to make sure that during the exam, if you really start to feel edgy, start to feel jittery, or you start to fall asleep, think about what works when, you're really, when you need to wake up. You take a walk. What happens when you're nervous and you want to relax? You take a walk. Same anecdote for two completely different components. So that's why I say getting up and going to the restroom during the exam, or at least before starting the exam, is very important. You get up and you move. It's the act of getting there. It's the journey, not necessarily the, um, the destination. But make sure before you go into the exam, you go into that restroom and you stretch, you jump, splash water on your face, do your favorite yoga pose, self-talk, mm -hmm whatever you need to do, and do this during the exam if you need a break. And again, remember, you can do anything in that chair 
while you're taking the exam that does not distract your neighbor. Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, your attitude is really important and being positive and reframing your thoughts is really important. Um, you know, I know that, you know, you, you provide tutoring, but it's also more like coaching for students in terms of like test prep. And I think that's amazing um, because as clinicians, we do that for our clients, but we really have to take care of ourselves in the same way. And, and students really need to take care of themselves in the same way um, in terms of self-care and relaxation and calming. So. I really thank you for those tips. What would you say is best? Some students study in groups. Some students love to study on their own. Do you find any difference in the school? And you know, what's better person? Is it individual? Um, I really think that individual exam prep is really foundational. But I think that there are many ways to prepare in groups. And there's good reasons study in groups, it breaks up the individual study, and it gets you in contact with someone else's knowledge. The course manual provides several self-assessment forms where students rank their knowledge level on the settings, the diagnosis. They also rank their test-taking skills. They rank their knowledge of certain exam questions. And when these are written down, you can kind of compare. So if one person has a weak area in a diagnosis or setting, and another person has the strength in that area, they can help each other. The more knowledgeable student can give information in a verbal form, which offers a, a novel form of learning rather than just reading it. The person with the weaker knowledge can ask questions, which helps both peers strengthen their knowledge, and it helps that one that knows the information. They even get more information, and it's at a deeper level. Um, I've seen several times where several students have the same weak area in content knowledge. They break up the topic, have everybody take one or two topics, study on their own, and when they get back together, they have each person explain their topic. So I think that can enhance retention. And it also reinforces that, you know, we're not, we're, there's other people out there too that are struggling just like me. Um, other things like working on some therapy ball techniques, going over and reviewing range of motion, manual muscle tests, going over possible exam questions on specific diagnoses, and actually going over the practice questions after they've taken them in a small group can also be really helpful. Wow. That sounds like for students. And you know, it seems like through our conversation and through learning about therapy ed in detail, you really provide so many resources and so many different supports for students that are so needed. And I'm really hoping that students take advantage and um, look into your courses and your books and all that you offer. What happens if a student fails? Like, you know, we, we try to prep them, we try to lead them for success, but some people do fail. And what would you advise someone like that fails on their first attempt? What, what would you say to them? Well, it's amazing. There are people that we just to figure out they're really going to be good test takers and they're going to do well and they don't. And we have other people that we see kind of struggling and they pass. But it doesn't matter because there is hope. We know that the best stories are the adversities that end in success. It's just hard to live that adversity to make the journey a success. And I encourage people to keep focused, keep trying, to keep a positive attitude, Take an inventory of what you feel you did well and what you feel was very challenging. And that includes going over content areas, difficult questions you remember from the exam, how you felt during the test, were you able to focus, were you jittery or nervous, were there environmental challenges, 
someone in the room that was coughing, someone in the room kept going in and out, um, anything you can think of, both the positive and the challenging, and go back to basics, go back to the course manual, the review and study guide to explore content areas, join in the online office hours, um, get together with peers. You might want to look to uh, personalized tutoring to get a new perspective on test taking skills. Uh, there is hope. And I just wanted to add one word about how important it is to have a positive attitude. What we see in our brain, we live what we see and what we tell ourselves. And I love this example of the carrot. If I say to people, we should eat more carrots, you, what do you see? You see something in your brain. You see baby carrots, carrots be in the garden with the big green stems with dirt on them, purple carrots. We see carrots. If I say we should not eat chocolate chip cookies, we should eat more carrots, what do you see? You see the cookies, you don't see the carrots. We see the thing, the negative thing, and it, it really does overtake the positive. So that's why I say we really have to start with a good positive attitude. Uh, I, think that, I think that's great advice. And I, I think, you know, definitely positive attitude is a huge piece, but also having the support that you can rely on, that you can feel more comfort in, it's so helpful. I feel like, you know, definitely test-taking is different for every student, and Therapy Ed seems to have it all plotted out um, in terms of coaching, in terms of resources, books, courses, um, online office hours, all of that. And, you know, Dr. Thompson, I really want to thank you for all your advice and all your tips in terms of test-taking. Um, if students were interested, they would go to the Therapy Ed website um, to look for all the services that you had discussed. Is that correct? Correct, the website, and we also have a Facebook page. Okay, that's great. So um, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I hope students will take advantage of these wonderful services that are available to them. Thank you so much. And I, wa sure. and I, wanted, to say, I wanted to say thank you very much to you, too, for having these podcasts for students. I want to thank you especially for um, working with us at Therapy Ed to communicate information because we want to get our students to become exam candidates to turn into our occupational therapists and occupational therapy assistants that are going to serve us. So thank you again for reaching out. It was a pleasure and I look forward to speaking to you in the future. Thanks again and okay. Bye. 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 I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thank you to the student contributors. If you liked it, please subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. You can also follow us on social media, on Facebook at MyOTJourney, and on Instagram at MyOTJourneyPodcast. Thanks for listening. Go OT!